Hi, my name's Matt, and this is a podcast about life after the coronavirus vaccine. Welcome to episode six. Loneliness is such a big topic. It's one I've slightly avoided addressing head on, and although I feel like I've talked around it over the past few weeks, in today's episode I want to stare it in the face and talk about it directly. In doing so, I hope maybe to take away some of its power, some of its sting. There's no doubt that over the past year, loneliness has been a struggle for many of us, and we can hardly be surprised that in a year where we have been kept apart, that loneliness has found this strange, regular place in our lives. For me, there are two places where loneliness has made itself known most. The first, weirdly, is in moments of happiness and celebration. It showed up this week, actually. This week at work, I found out that a funding bid which I had applied for has been successful. It was months of work and preparation, including many sleepless nights turning over tricky problems in my mind, along with countless hours of drafting literally thousands of words. And it all paid off. When the email came in, I threw my hands up in celebration. I typed in all caps to my work colleagues. And then I sat there in the same four walls and felt very alone. I missed other people. I missed the high fives. I missed the way moments of celebration break into the day, disrupt our routines and make us come together to share something special, rare and so precious. I had to raise a Diet Coke to myself and move on. It's been the same with birthdays and baby news and life events. We miss being alongside each other in those happiest of moments. If the times we would celebrate together are some of the times we miss each other most, the other for me is in times of sadness and loss. This was most painful for me last summer when my friend Emma died. I feel like there is something that nobody talks about when you lose a friend. There are, of course, many common and shared feelings when we lose someone close. Feelings of shock and sadness and hurt and anger and loss. But there is also this feeling of loneliness that appears in the moments that only you and they would have shared together, but now no longer can. And this is going to sound ridiculous. It is ridiculous. For me, I have those moments of missing Emma every time I watch a James Charles video or see an outrageous Jeffree Star tweet or get recommended a drama channel video on YouTube with some Shane Dawson, Tatty Westbrook, beauty guru clickbait thumbnail. Talking about makeup influencers and TikTok celebrities were by no means the most important or most meaningful of connections that I had with Emma. But they were moments we shared and bonded over and had layers deep private jokes about, which had built up over so many years. And when she died, they were all gone. 
And I miss her. And I miss those ridiculous conversations. And that feeling of loneliness creeps back time and time again. Every time I see James Charles's stupid face. I listened to a podcast a few weeks ago with Norina Hertz, the author of a book called The Lonely Century, which has since been added to my listening list on Audible. And she talked about how we are creatures of togetherness, hardwired to connect. When we are separated, we have a physical alert system response which starts firing, releasing stress hormones and causing all sorts of problems. Even before the pandemic, Loneliness was pervasive and it damages our mental and physical health. We have increasingly been building a more lonely world. She links increased smartphone usage to increased loneliness, particularly among the young. It's not the only cause, but it certainly adds to that feeling of being disconnected from others, leaving us feeling invisible and uncared for, particularly social media. It leaves us craving more meaningful connection and it also leaves us feeling more invisible in the workplace and our society is a problem that is both personal and political. By the nature of a pandemic that spreads by people being near each other, physical connections are more difficult to make right now. Although we hope that in the coming months they will become easier But phone calls and messages can stand in for now if we make the effort to make those connections meaningful and personal. She suggests a simple solution that feels so obvious, but she frames it so well. Norina encourages us to reach out to someone because it not only helps ourselves, but it undoubtedly helps the person you reach out to. So if you can't bring yourself to admit you're lonely and need to reach out, do it for the other person instead. Also, she encourages us to be among others, strangers even, out in the world, getting a coffee or just walking near others in the park. It pushes back on an increasingly contactless society, even from before the pandemic, and forces us to practice the skills of looking at others, noticing others, being mindful of others. The micro-exchanges that happen in cafes and shops and on the street help to anchor us in our communities too. And as someone who runs past the same refuse collectors and older people on Western Shore many days, I have to say, their warm good mornings really do make my morning. I will also add at this point that coming out of the first lockdown last summer, that as someone who wanted so badly to be with others, but felt the need to do that more slowly and more cautiously than others, that it was a very lonely time. I have learnt from that and this time round I'm much more determined to firstly keep being out in shared spaces even if I'm keeping my distance for now. 
Secondly, I'm determined not to put pressure on myself or others to move more quickly than feels right and to continue reaching out in messages and phone calls where they're needed. There's a trap we can easily fall into when it comes to loneliness and I won't blame you for making it because I sort of have just made it myself. And that is we too often equate being alone with being lonely. We can hardly blame ourselves. The two words share so many letters arranged in such similar ways, but they are not the same. I have felt very lonely in the company of many people, and I have felt very loved and cared for even though I have been physically alone. So if loneliness is not aloneness, then what is? I think of it as the need to be known and valued for who we are. And when that need is not met, we feel loneliness. So when I hear that LGBTQ plus youth are more likely to feel alone this lockdown than their peers, when I hear that they're more worried about their mental health than others, I am, of course, sad, but I am not surprised. Because all too often, especially when we are young and figuring ourselves out, LGBTQ plus people do not feel like we are known by others. And that in turn leaves us feeling like we are not valued for who we are. In fact, we often live in fear, real or imagined, and and perhaps a little of both, that if we were to be known for who we are, then we specifically would not be valued, loved or accepted. It's a bit of a detour here, but I'm going to go there anyway. This is why banning conversion therapy is a cause I care so deeply about. Sexuality and gender identity are not something that need to be forcibly changed, particularly in young people. And to do so is abusive and damaging, not just to those who have to undergo such practices, but to all LGBTQ plus people. And I would say to all people of all genders and all sexualities. Allowing conversion therapy to happen says to each of us that we may have to hide parts of ourselves that should not have to be hidden. And that only serves to make us all more lonely. The LGBTQ plus young people feel that most directly does not surprise me particularly those that have to share their limited lockdown living spaces with others that do not or may not know, understand or fully value that part of who they are. I know that loneliness. I experienced it as a young person. I've experienced it as an adult. And weirdly, where time alone over the past year has given me some space away from being physically seen by others is given me space to become more comfortable in who I am. And it has made me more confident in being known more for who I am. I feel nervous about how that might change as lockdown lifts. And I am once again in the presence of other people. That was, I suppose, partly behind my suggestion at the end of last week's episode that we make sure we open up conversations about our lockdowns and our hopes and fears as we venture out again so that we may be seen and known and valued and perhaps feel less lonely. 
I want to think out loud for a moment because I'm, I'm not sure if this is true for everyone, but there is something in the last section that I'm not quite sure is fully right. You see, for me, the loneliest time in my what you may call coming out story was not when I knew who I was, but actually I felt most lonely when I was still a mess of confusion, self-doubt and uncertainty. Because it's hard to be seen and known and valued for who you are if you don't even see or know or value who you are for yourself yet. When we are figuring ourselves out, we are at our most vulnerable to loneliness. There are moments in life when, between two friends, words which really mean very little, which would not stand up to any kind of analytical scrutiny, which are, quite frankly, maybe total nonsense, somehow manage to express the inexpressible. I had such a moment many years ago with my friend Joey, and I'll never forget it. And I will always be so grateful for it. She was one of the first people I told when I kissed a boy for the first time. I was confused and scared and a total mess of emotions. And she said, nobody gives a shit these days. And it has stuck with me ever since. It's only years later that I've been able to appreciate the power of not just what was said, but what was unsaid. A wonderful response might have been, I love you and accept you if you're gay. And perhaps a more conventional friend might have used those words or a variation of them. But in Joey's unique phraseology, there was something more powerful. She was telling me, I see your mess, your confusion, your uncertainty, and I accept all of it. And that is such a powerful thing. To be seen and known and valued, not just for the things about ourselves we have figured out and locked down and are ready to show off to the world, but to be seen and known and valued for the things we're fiercely protecting as the ugly duckling aspects of ourselves. My friend Emma, who died over the summer, was another such person who was accepting in the same way. And she was bold and brave in sharing those parts of herself that were vulnerable. And in doing so, she brought that bravery out in others. Working with Emma to write songs was one of the greatest privileges of my life. And since she died, it still hurts too much to sit and make music without her. It feels lonely to do it alone. In fact, this podcast was the first thing to get me back in front of Pro Tools since last summer and has been an important part of starting to heal that pain. It was always a pleasure to make music with Emma because she was someone who took such joy in the process of figuring things out as we went along. We would get swept away in creative waves and she would trust me to try things even if the results would not pay off until minutes, hours or days later. She allowed me to be messy and unsure and confused and she embraced it, encouraged it and she loved me for it and I adored the same qualities in her. Which brings me back to where I also ended last week's podcast. Because I don't know about anyone else, 
but I feel like the weeks and months ahead feel so uncertain and unfamiliar. It would be impossible to have them and the person we will be amongst them all figured out. And perhaps we need to find a way to accept and value each other, not just for who we are, but for all our mess and uncertainty too. And maybe then we can each feel a little less lonely. I want to finish today's episode with a recognition that so far I have focused on loneliness in relation to other people, being with them or not, being known and valued by them when they are around or not. But there is also an aspect to loneliness that is quite detached from others. One that is about acceptance of ourselves for who we are, whether we can find the words to articulate it all or not. This inner strength can see us through the storms of loneliness that strike when we are physically distant or feeling lonely even when surrounded by others. There are two aspects to this that I find helpful. One is to remind myself of the acceptance of others that I have experienced in the past and the other is to find acceptance of myself for myself. In the first case, I have been actively storing up a bank of these experiences using my one breath meditation that I shared in episode four. For example, during lockdown, during a really down week, my friend Wes delivered me a cherry and chocolate cake from the Polish deli. After meeting briefly outside, as was allowed at the time, I walked home with that cake and breathed in the sense of being cared for. It was a simple act of kindness but it was greatly needed at the time and now sits in a bank of such memories in my mind that I can draw upon when lockdown loneliness lies to me and makes me feel uncared for and unvalued. In mindfulness, I also find that I can start to accept myself as I am in that moment, as an observer of the bubbling pot of thoughts and feelings that rise and fall through attention. Here's a mindfulness meditation I use. And before I start, let me say, I was incredibly cynical about mindfulness meditations of this type, but I have found it to be incredibly helpful. Sit comfortably and take a few deep breaths in through the nose and out through the mouth. And with your next outward breath, gently close your eyes if it's helpful to do so. Keep your attention on the breath and when you notice it has drifted away, just gently bring it back again, knowing that the drift and return of focus is as natural as the rising and the falling of the breath. Notice how you have enough air to breathe. Notice your body and how it feels supported by the ground 
and seat beneath you. Bring to mind a time you have felt cared for or have cared for someone else. Remember that feeling of being known and accepted and valued. Hold on to that feeling for a breath or more. Find a name for it. Gently say it out loud if that helps. Allow the feeling to sink into your body. With each outward breath, feel the body soften and absorb the sense of having enough air to breathe, of having the ground beneath you, and a feeling of being loved and accepted. And when you're ready, open your eyes again. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you've enjoyed it, you can follow the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your podcast player of choice. You can find the podcast on social media at Life After Vax, V-A-X, on Twitter and Instagram. And if you'd like to reach out for a more meaningful connection, you can drop me an email. Hi at lifeaftervax.com. Until next time.